Welcome to Roll Call. A 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. I'm your host, Technical Sergeant Brian Ellison. The Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. I'm joined in the studio today by Major Jennifer Lubeck, the commander of the 126th Readiness Squadron. Ma'am, thanks for joining us today. On this day before Veterans Day, people are hearing it after Veterans Day, but uh, happy Veterans Day, ma'am. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me. All right. This is the month of the military family also, uh, and you can learn how to build healthy relationships and identify goals, uh, your goals, with building healthy relationships. You can find a Building Healthy Relationships Consultants free via Military One Source. You can also uh, call them 800 342 9647. They also have a live chat feature. Like I said, I'm here with Major Jennifer Lubeck, the commander of the 126th Logistics Readiness Squadron. She's uh, here joining me on the Roll Call podcast. Ma'am, got to ask you, uh, what is logistics? It sounds like a silly question. I think we all know, but not everybody understands what you uh, you find folks over at uh, logistics kind of keep us moving, don't you? We do. Uh, logistics, a lot of people, they hear the term, but I, I don't really think they understand all that really goes into it. Uh, the most ba- basic definition is we move people and things, uh, but all the factions that go into making that happen are pretty vast, um, and it, it isn't always as simple um, It is just how that sounds. Uh, in the uh, Air Force, uh, logistics is made up of uh, the fuel. We handle the accounting of the fuel, the testing of the fuel, the storing of the fuel, everything that would go into fuel that gets put onto our aircraft or vehicles or support equipment. We handle the vehicle fleet, uh, not only uh, managing the vehicles, uh, but also maintaining them, uh, the fixing of them. So, you know, that's quite important because things sometimes can't always move by air. Um, and we, I, I, I guess to put it in more civilian type terms, we, we act kind of sometimes like a rental car service too. Uh, people need a vehicle to, to go from here to there. Uh, people call moving companies when they think they need things moved and they don't have the ability to do that. Uh, we also are part of the distribution channel and can move things via tractor trailer. Uh, a lot of our members actually get their uh, CDL through us and are able to translate that into civilian employment. Um, and it actually reduces quite a bit of the cost and training that they would have to do on the outside to maintain their employment. So that's a huge piece of that. Uh, we're kind of like an airport where, right. yeah, we, we schedule uh, people to fly uh, all over the world because that's what we do in the military. We support globally. We support locally. So there's times where we will have an entire airplane that we move with our own. It's organically we move it that way, but we also have to coordinate uh, commercial airlift as well uh, to put people on rotators, things of that nature, to go and support our warfighter overseas. So we have to schedule all that. We're a part of that that it, that entire mission. We have people that you know work the, the tasks that come down when they say we need this many people and these things here. We work every piece of that uh, from when do we need to get them there, how do we need to get them there, uh, and, and that's quite quite an undertaking, um, especially during times of, of COVID um, and deployment, which we're in the midst of both right now. So that's that's a, a very big uh, part of that. And then the, the last piece of that really boils down to the distribution, uh, similar to, you know, Amazon and FedEx. So we have an entire warehouse of things that we have to uh, store. 
so that when the customers have needs, we get those. And then when we don't have them available, how do we go out and get those so that we can continue to support uh, the flying mission and the other needs of the people in the wing? And so everything from warehousing to, you know, receiving and, and shipping things out. It's, it's quite an undertaking. You guys do a lot over there. I never realized how much you guys do until you just went through that list. How do you keep track of all that? Because that's a lot of moving parts, probably moving twenty almost 24-7. Well, I have a, a fantastic uh, squadron made up of, you know, just, you know, a variety of talents and uh, diversity of backgrounds and uh, skill sets. And I, I have to attribute that to my chiefs, uh, you know, my senior NCOs who really are the forefront of maintaining that, keeping me informed, uh, letting me know when they have obstacles um, and so I can go ahead and support that and, and help them find ways around that. So I, I have a fantastic uh, leadership team that, that I have that, that helps to guide me in that. And then I have, you know, just the wing leadership as well. Um, is very supportive when I come to them with challenges and the things that I need. I, I, they, they have been very fantastic in, in supporting those things. About how many people, how many people do you have working just on the full-time side? On the full-time side, I have approximately 40. Um, I am blessed to also have a TF uh, support. We have the 906. We have about seven of those that support us on the, uh, the fuel side of the house and the supply side of the house. Uh, which enables our maintainers to work, uh, you know, two shifts operations and, you know, reach the levels of success that they do. We certainly couldn't do that with the support provided by our uh, active duty brethren. Wow, that is uh, quite amazing, the, the, what you guys have going over there. I can just imagine something like uh, an Amazon or, you know, happening over there just to make sure everything gets in the right place. Yeah, it, it is quite, quite an undertaking. Um, again, I have, you know wonderfully skilled people who have a work ethic that I can't, uh, I can't even begin to describe. Uh, I'm very proud of all of them. And uh, we have a great team as well. Um, and that, that helps tremendously in being successful in undertaking all the things that we do. Now, I know one thing you guys are also working out on the OCP rollout. Correct. Well, and I noticed that you don't have OCPs. I, I do not. Um, there, there's a few reasons for that. Uh, first off, I have to purchase mine. Oh, um, this is true. Yes, I forgot about the officers do. Yes. For, for the longest time, the, the rollout was happening, but they also didn't have the supply within the DOD. Uh, they were having to prioritize uh, deployers first, which, of course, they should. Um, and I always want to make sure that my folks, you know, have the newest and brightest uh, before I do. Um, sure. So. <laughs> How um, has COVID affected um, the supply, the supply, the logistics and your mission? So most people, the, I would say COVID uh, scaled their mission back. It actually increased ours. Um, with, when this initially, you know, hit uh, the country, and in particular the state of Illinois, uh, we were one of the hotbeds initially of the COVID virus, which then created a need uh, for a lot of additional support to create alternate care facilities and testing sites and things like that within the, within the state. So there was quite a, a call for the National Guard to step in uh, initially and, and get those things up and coming. Uh, it really was a labor of logistics. It's probably one of the few times when the Air Force didn't depend on the flying mission. 
uh, to be successful. And I had several of my members who were in key uh, positions that really got those things off the ground. Uh, they worked with the uh, different uh, agencies like IEMA. They worked with the governor. They worked with a lot of uh, leaders within the state to get these processes up and running to protect the citizens of the state of Illinois. And and then when they did, when they had to transition to shutting some of those down, that took people that knew how to pack and crate. That took people that knew how to store things. Uh, I also had one air person who was the sole air person working with contractors for receiving, storing, and distributing all of the uh, PPE throughout the state. And the numbers that they dealt with on a daily basis were just staggering. Um, to make sure that our, our medical personnel had what they need, the hospitals had what they need, the different counties had what they need. So it it did make our, plus we are in the middle of a deployment cycle. Yeah. <laughs> and the changes for getting our deployers downrange drastically shifted. Um, it was changing on a daily basis because nobody really knew what we were up against. So for the people that do the planning of getting the people to different places, there were a lot of changes to that that had to be deciphered, if you will, <laughs> and in a lot of conversations. Um, and then gear, things of that nature. We're still getting those people out the door. So we really didn't scale back. We increased what we did. How, how many places did you have your, uh, your folks uh, across the state? Across the state, I, I had people in about five or six different locations. Wow. Um, Throughout, throughout the state. Um, I did have a lot of, uh, initially, uh, some of my senior people um, up at the state headquarters uh, that were key people in getting those programs up and running. That is, uh, how, uh, again, I know I just asked this, but again, how do you just, it just seems like so many things up in the air. Like somebody told me one time that this whole COVID thing is, is um, it's like we're building the airplane as it's flying. Did you feel like that? In some respects, yes, but I, I think that comes with having people that are trained, um, you know, making sure that as people are developing that you've empowered them to be able to make decisions, to make choices, to critically think, so that when they get out there, it's not that they just know how to do their job, but they also know how to adapt and, and to put those pieces in place and to trust in themselves. Um, and again, we all, we have a fantastic team and that is what I think from our lowest airman to our, our highest ranking individual, you know, everybody has a voice, everybody has that ability to, you know, have initiative to be tenacious. And I mean, that's, that's the character and the culture of LRS. And so our people are successful. They know how to work with a team, no matter where they go or what they're asked to do. That's how we continue to do what we do, um, at a high level of success. It is the month of the military family, ma'am. How do you how do you see how does the how do families fit into our mission in the military? Well, I think the guard is very unique in how the family fits into it. Um, I don't think you can throw a rock in a guard unit without hitting people related to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Um, even myself, I'm married to a, a one twenty six member. You know, so we we have the unique perspective of being dual military, um, you know, and with children. That, that's always a challenge. I, I think COVID has really strengthened what the family means to the deployer. Um, I've said before, every deployer I've ever said is, I, I can handle the deployment. I can handle the things that go with that. 
the things that challenge them are the things that happen at home. Um, and when those things are strong, it's easier for mm-hmm. the deployer to do that. Well, COVID has definitely added stressors to that, to the family. Um, it, and it's also added stressors to them downrange. And so engaging with the families and having the strong families and the support systems that the 126 has in place are, are bar none. Um, you know, and it goes down to commanders, first sergeants, and, and just your peers, you know, doing those check-ins and making sure that the families have what they need so that our, our people deployed can stay focused on what they need to do. You take care of the airmen, you take care of the family, they take care of the mission. Um, okay. What made you join the uh, Air National Guard, ma'am? So I actually was, I did four years of active service. Um, I was not in the state of Illinois. I'm not from the state of Illinois. Um, I was, I got out of active service when I was uh, in Effie Warren, Wyoming. Um, at the time, I lived. I used to two years ago. I lived two blocks from that place. That's crazy. It's yeah. a small, small world, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so I was dating my now husband at the time. So um, I'm from Colorado, which isn't too far. Where at? Uh, southeast Aurora, which is close, kind of between the Springs and Denver. For people that don't know the area. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I lived uh, in Wyoming for ten years. And uh, Wyoming's a very desolate place. It, it is. <laughs> and holy cow, I'm from here. I'm from St. Louis. So to uh, learn that you have to travel three, four hours to go do almost anything was a shock to the system. And people will just jump in their car and just go. So anytime that I wanted to go see a concert or, or to a baseball game when the Cardinals were in town, I would have to go down to uh, Denver, which was a five-hour drive from where I lived in uh, Gillette. So uh, anyway, my point is... I know where you're from. Yes. <laughs> so, so with that being said, um, you know, um, I, I wanted to go back to Colorado, but I, you know, at the time I was, you know, dating someone where I saw a future. So I wanted to stay uh, cl- close to where he was. Um, and I actually got out and I, I didn't know what the guard was. That wasn't something that when I came in was really known about. Um, recruiters certainly didn't tell you about it. Um, so, I had met a girl while I was going to college, and she was in the Guard. And at the time, the employment opportunities in uh, Cheyenne were slim, um, especially if you didn't have an education, which at the time I was still working on getting. Uh, And she told me about the Guard. So, And she said, hey, it's a great way to have part-time employment. They didn't have school benefits, so I was like, well, okay, I'll join the Guard. So I, I joined the guard. <laughs> That's what did you, did you do? Uh, regular army or regular air force, full time, big air force, and in the guard? Did you do the same thing? I, I did. Um, I did supply, um, which at the time was called supply. It wasn't all called logistics at that time. Um, but I was a primarily a supply troop um, in the guard. So you were enlisted first. I, I was enlisted actually for seventeen years before I commissioned. Wow, what? That's a big. That's got to be a big difference going from 17 years I went I was in the army for 17 years and then I switched over to the air guard because I saw the error of my ways (laughs) um but that's got to be a big transition you know it was um in in some respects but I also think it makes me a stronger leader um in, in the respect that I understand what my enlisted folks are doing and the impact that they have on what I do I I can truly walk in their shoes and I understand from their perspective. Um, so I am blessed to have had that time. I'm, I'm equally blessed to be in a position now where I get to uh, lead those people and also learn from them. Uh, right. The amount of knowledge that they have is just uh, unparalleled. 
Yes. They, uh, you know, that's one thing I like about our job is being able to go out and watch other people do their job and learn from them. And, and they're the ones that teach us how their job is done and getting to see that. What'd you do in college? What did you study in college? So I, I actually have a couple of different degrees. Um, I have a bachelor's degree um, in liberal studies. That primarily was because I started out on the, uh, the comm track of getting a, uh, um, I can't think of what the name of it was, but uh, whatever you get in communications. Communi- like a mass communications or yes, something like that? Yes, something like yeah. that. But then I, I quickly realized I didn't enjoy coding. And, oh. And I, I like the infrastructure side, but I really don't I- enjoy coding. And also, it would have taken me probably a year longer to get a bachelor's degree. So I, I took the, the other route, which gave me the, uh, uh, the degree that I have, which was in uh, liberal studies. Uh, but then I got my master's in recreation, sports, and tourism, which is actually a business uh, degree that just focuses on those realms. Because I told myself if I was ever not in the military, I'd probably do something in one of those fields. Especially if you're in Wyoming and Colorado, that is, that's the second largest uh, industry in those two places. Very, very employable. Yes. With, right. with those. Yeah. Um, so you, you were in the Wyoming air guard. Correct. Right. At the airlift. Was it an airlift wing? Right. Uh, I was there for a year. I should know. But. <laughs> I, I no, they didn't do lift airlift um, there at the time. It was, I, I think a lot of it is cyber now. Um, oh, okay. And you know, the active duty base is, oh, yeah. is more nuclear. Yeah, that's a. There's nobody on that base, but then somebody said they're all underground. I don't. Is that true? Um, and well, not not so much on the air uh, on the guard side. But yeah, but the on active the, side, yes. Yeah, I was like, you go there, and it's like there's nobody. It's strange, but they're also. I heard they're making. They're trying to beef up the the amount of people there. They're trying to double the size of the population. And and I, I could see that happening. Yeah. yeah, the community would definitely benefit from it. So you uh, join the air guard to help yourself out with uh with the money in college and whatnot or while you were in college what made you come to uh the 126th so my husband was active duty at the time so we did eventually get married and he was active duty and uh he did a year remote to korea and his follow-on was to scott so i i made a call um and asked about the uh guard units in the area at the time uh, the unit was up in o'hare chicago but the recruiter uh at the time was like, well, we're transitioning down to Scott Air Force Base. I kind of took that as, well, that's fate, right? Yeah, no kidding. Um, so I did join the Air Guard while they were still up in O'Hare. Um, and then it was in, it was very quickly after I, I did that that they, they finally transitioned down to Scott. What was that transition like? Uh, maybe uh, on what you saw. I mean, because I hear stories, especially from the logistics folks, you guys had a heck of a time. So I, w- I was a, a senior airman. Um, when I joined. So, you know, my, my role was, was quite different. Yeah. Um, I was still, you know, primarily a, a supply troop. Um, initially I was drilling where I would go up to Chicago. I think I did that just two or three times. I would drive up there and, you know, I, I, I don't know Illinois. I'd never, um, <laughs> other than the few times I'd visited with my husband. Right. Uh, so Chicago was, was a little different than something I had experienced before. Um, but so I, and then I actually applied for a full-time job and initially it was thought that I would transition up weekly, do my, my full-time job. And then leadership decided, well, we need a transition team down here to receive everything that's coming down. And luckily I was selected to be a part of that team. So it was a lot. 
Um, a lot of stuff moved down. We didn't have all of our facilities ready. The building I'm in currently was still a foundation. I don't even think it had studs. Um, we There's a, a schoolhouse, I don't know if people know it, that's outside the back gate. That That is where our warehouse was. We didn't have... Uh, heating or air conditioning. <laughs> uh, we did not have indoor plumbing. Uh, we had lights in some portions of it. Uh, so, but that's where we had a lot of stuff come in. A lot of stuff we had to, I guess, decipher whether it was worth keeping or we needed to get rid of. So we spent a lot of days counting things, deciding what was worth having. Which was, so when we transitioned into our buildings, Eventually, we moved out of that, and we actually worked out of the hangar because our building still did not exist. Wow. So we, we had to maintain um, our warehouse. It was actually in the middle of the hangar is where we had the things set up to support the flying mission. How long did that last? My memory fails me, but I want to say it was anywhere from about six months maybe to a year. Wow. Yeah, that building, I know, I've heard you talking about that building before, and I just saw it today, I guess because the leaves are starting to fall, but it sits down in a hill, right, kind of down the hill. If you look it off, does. if you're coming into base, you'll see it off to your left, and it's right before you make the turn to go down the hill into the, that's where I saw it Yes, this correct. So that was a real uh, heck of a of a place to work out of it it, it it definitely was it was uh pretty austere out there so but we we made the made do and you know we have fun stories from the times so. yeah we'll share some fun stories <laughs> well i don't I, I think some of those stories are just those things like when you deploy you know there's oh, just sure. those things that right. they're they're funny in the moment right. and they're funny with the team that's there they may not translate right. uh, to everybody in the same way i understand you know you, you you do what you have to do in those moments to uh to make the best of the situation. Are any jobs available in uh, any openings, you know, either on the full-time side or on the DSG side uh, that people might be interested in over at the LRS? Well, uh, we do actually have, um, we do have several on the, uh, the part-time side. Okay. Um, and I, I will say that we do have openings that come up if you, if they want to take their, that and go into the, uh, the uh, full-time. Um, so, sure. Right now, a POL is where I, I think I have the biggest need. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a position where if you're unsure, please go down there and visit it. It's, it's one of those jobs that I think is hard to describe to people, um, and it's, it's, it's hard for them to truly understand everything that goes into it. But I will tell you that every person I've ever known who's worked that, they absolutely love it. Um, and I think you have to talk to the people who are doing that in the trenches to truly get a sense of what that job entails and why you'd want to do it. Um, you know, but like I said, it's, you, if you like working with the aircraft um, and you don't, and you don't want to be a pilot and you don't want to be a mechanic, that's a way to be well a part of that because you, you touch the aircraft all the time. That's pretty cool. Uh, good. Is there a good contact for them? If somebody wanted to just maybe go down there and check it out? Uh, certainly. Uh, Sergeant uh, Kelly Thielmeyer, she's the superintendent down there. Uh, certainly give her a call. Um, if not, our recruiters always know how to get in touch with anybody um, for any discipline that we have. So call our recruiting office. They will certainly set up any opportunity that uh, you need to go see any of the work centers. This is true. All right, Major Jennifer Lubeck, the commander of the 126th Logistics Readiness Squadron. She's joining me here on the roll call. Ma'am, thanks for uh, coming in. Anything else that I missed that you want to talk about? Um, I I would just say that, you know, we have an outstanding wing. Um, We have had huge successes um, 
at the national level in every aspect of what we do. Um, you know, look at uh, the things that our maintenance is accomplishing, but do know that, and maintenance is aware of this too, that that doesn't happen without what logistics provides to that. Um, you know, and we also do a lot of amazing thing in logistics that if maintenance and the pilots don't go and take advantage of that in Excel, it doesn't make the work that we do shine in the way that right. it should. So it's really a symbiotic relationship and a, and a huge trust relationship. And uh, we have won uh, nine national level awards in the last four years uh, within LRS for uh, a logistics effectiveness. We have an amazing team. So if you want to come and get some skills that translate to the civilian world, that will give you a lot of opportunities. Uh, and guess what? COVID didn't shut down logistics. So that was a job that maintained through uh, a lot of shutdowns. Uh, and you want to be part of a family and a great team, please come and uh, visit us over in logistics. We definitely can find a spot for you. That's great. And actually, I'm glad you brought up COVID. I wanted to touch on this. We have, well, we have, uh, sounds like a possible vaccine. How, do you know anything about how maybe you, LRS, would fit into that uh, distribution? Have you guys... At this juncture, no, and I'm not sure that at a base level we would be involved in that, but I will say that uh, logistics at the higher headquarters level will be involved in how that will get distributed out to the troops. Um, that's going to be done at a much higher level than us, right. um, but it will be coordinated between logistics and medical. Um, so, again, there is not a piece of the Air Force that logistics is not a part of. Um, it's it's a part of every aspect of the world. I mean, 80% of all employment in the world, I believe, is a logistics function. Wow. All right. Major Jennifer Lubeck, thank you again, ma'am, for uh, coming in. She's the commander of the 126th Logistics Readiness Squadron. Make sure you get RSVP'd for the Wings Kids Holiday Party, December 6th. Airmen and Feathering Readiness is showing the Grinch, and I believe Santa Claus and the Grinch may make some sort of appearance. Not sure exactly how that's going to be, but I know Santa Claus is going to be uh, very safe, and uh, they're, they're working on that with uh, CE to make sure that Santa is uh, safe. So you're going to need reservations. The reservations, because the seating is limited, you can uh, RSVP through the Airmen and Family Readiness or check your uh, newsletter. They have an Airmen and Family Readiness November newsletter that just came out that uh, has that link to get uh, RSVP'd. And, uh, oh, we also need to say, ma'am, you were talking about this earlier, we need to say hello to the folks that are deployed. Got to thank them for, you know, they listen, they love this because uh, it just kind of gives them that slice of home and, and sometimes they get to hear their friends and just get to hear about what's going on back here in the, in the, in the community. So, uh, yeah, I do still have quite a few people who are, uh, you know, out there. Um, you know, we talk to them quite frequently in-house, but, hey, if I can give a, a public shout-out to them, um, to include right now the majority of the people that are deployed are from the mission support group, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so we are a part of that mission support group, and, you know, regardless of what your uh, job is, what squadron you belong to, your service is appreciated. We miss you. We hope that you are safe and healthy. We hope that your families are safe and healthy. Um, and, hey, we're proud of you, and keep doing what you do, and we can't wait to have you home. And, ma'am, if you want to send them uh, packages, not trying to put any pressure on We've you. already done that. Okay, well, <laughs> you need to get them in the mail by December 11th, first class and priority, or by uh, December 18th uh, if you want them to have get there on the 25th. However... 
There is no guarantee, but the thought is, you know, of course, just getting them packages, they will greatly appreciate that. Again, uh, thanks to Major Lubeck for joining us. You can go on to the 126th Air Refueling Wing Facebook page to find out what's going on in the wing. This month, you'll see a a video of uh, us here in the podcast. Uh, Also, uh, go to our YouTube page. Check out what we have there going on as well. If you want to highlight, want me to highlight something on the Roll Call podcast, send me an email, 126.arw.pa.mm.org at us.af.mil. Again, thanks again to Major Lubeck for joining me. I'm Tech Sergeant Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast focused on people, mission, and community.